as she mentioned, is a special day for a lot of different reasons. Is This week I've been thinking about the next week, the opportunity we have to introduce ourselves again to the community, to relaunch this church. I've been flooded with so many different emotions, so many different feelings, um, thinking about all the tasks that need to be done, thinking about all of the steps that need to be taken. But God reminded me this week that this is a work that requires 100% complete devotion and dependence on God. And really that is the position and posture that we should take with our lives. And we're not perfect, but I just pray that through our imperfections and through our efforts that the Lord will be pleased with our sacrifice. This has been a work of a, really a lifetime for some of us, but for the last couple weeks, um, I'm saying that so shortly, really the last several weeks, um, we have been laboring and giving I'm just so proud of what God has done through you and what God wants to continue to do. And I am looking forward to the overwhelming um, power that God is going to pour out next week. I just want to tell you before uh, I begin the message that next week is going to be um, every seat we have is going to be in this room. Every single seat that we own is going to be in this room. I'm putting everything out. I'm putting every seat that we have out. I am believing every seat in this house will be filled. And you who have been a part of this team um, probably will have to stand next week. So I want you to prepare for that, for those who cannot stand, obviously. But um, we are going to give our preferred seating, our preferred parking. Um, for many, we one, we have one chance. We have one chance to get it right, not to impress, but that we have an expectation that salvation and deliverance and people meeting Jesus is going to happen. So really, every single week is launch day. When we launch new movement, we are launching the culture. We are launching the pace. Let me tell you, the pace is going to get faster. This is just the preseason, and the pace is going to pick up and I'm excited for every little thing that God is going to amaze us with. And he has shown himself faithful to each and every one of you. And uh, I'm grateful. And today's message uh, is, is one I'm really interested in, in the, 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 the impact of it. Because I feel today uh, that it needs to be a, a little bit of a pastoral moment with this message. And I, I believe that who the Lord has brought today um, is exactly who this message is for, especially including myself. So I want to start with Hebrews chapter 4. And as you're looking for it, I do want to say one thing the Lord has been showing me, especially when it comes to our church, is that we really need to, as a people, return to the Bible. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about we need to get back 
to this because uh, there are a lot of resources and songs that are beautiful. There are sermons and there are Bible study guides and all of that. But the Bible says that his people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I believe one of the things purchases we should all make if we haven't made already is, this is my opinion, but an actual Bible. I'm not talking about a digital Bible. Here's why. Because nobody can call you on an actual Bible. You can't check your messages on an app, on a on a real Bible. You cannot check your email on a Bible. And uh, there's something about having one with you. There's nothing else like this. And uh, I'd encourage you to, when you get your tax return, to, uh, if you, I should say, if you get your tax return, um, to to purchase a, a literal Bible. And I, I encourage you that you bring it with you. Because there are people who have no idea what this is about. And they want to. And some of us know about this, and we've forgotten. So we're going to be returning to the Bible. So today I want to really show you something in Scripture um, that has been uh, something, a different picture of Christ that I had not seen. And as God has been requiring more of me and challenging more of me and pulling more of me out, because we can only go as far uh, as your leader goes, and God is pulling me to the deep end and really causing me to depend on him. So I want to start by setting the, up this message uh, here with Hebrews chapter, I didn't move this with me, Hebrews chapter 4. So find that with me, Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 15 through 16. I'm going to share five verses of passages throughout the message today. <coughs> so you are going to need a Bible or your phone, something to look at. Bible says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will be, we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Where this message is landing today is in the middle of verse 15. This high priest, this intercessor, this savior named Jesus understands our weaknesses. I want to preach a message today entitled Depending on Your Weaknesses. Depending on Your Weaknesses. Father, I pray that you'll bring clarity. I pray that you'll bring conviction today. I pray that you will serve the hearts of those here and those listening and watching, that they might know that they have been with you today, and this word would pierce their soul, that they might receive salvation and receive all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. English is an interesting language. For those who grew up speaking English, either as a first language 
you know that English is very difficult and a lot of times doesn't make any sense. Those who are learning English for the second, uh, as a second language, you are amazing that you can even navigate through it because English is just difficult. And there are times in English when words have multiple meanings or have different meanings, and I don't know how you could tell the difference. One of those words is the word depend. The word depend. So the word depend for most people means, first think of it, I trust. I trust. You can leave that open, please. I trust that. Yeah, I trust this thing. I can depend on it. Right? Like, I, I don't, don't have to worry about it. It's always going to be there. I trust it. Depend on it. Starts up when I start it. Shows up when they need to show up. Dependable. There's also another way to use that word. I'll give you an example. If you go to a barbecue this summer, and you come to the tradition of barbecue food, where you see the, all the food there, and someone offers you some potato salad. Now, this may not be for everybody. But your choice of if you're going to eat the potato salad lies in this question. Who made the potato salad? Because your decision depends on that information. See, the, there's a tension even within the word that is there that when we use it that way, that our decision is based on a backup or what we're going to do is based on another option. So you might marry this individual, but it depends on if this works out or not. I'm talking about this other thing. Like, if they break up with them, you might get back together. It depends. If this job pays me more money, if this church has this type of music, it depends. So depends has, it's, you know, we can use it as a euphemism. I, it depends. And so when I first talked about depending on your weaknesses, maybe the first meaning that came to your mind was the first one, Right? You got to trust on your, in your weaknesses. You got to depend on them, which kind of would be a good sermon, would be a good contrast, would be something different. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it in the way that we use it that has a conditional clause to it. Depending on your faith. Kind of like for those who've gone to college and had student loans, depending on what your parents made is how much loan you would get, or financial aid that you get, depending on your grades, that's how much scholarship you would receive, depending on your weaknesses. See, what I want to communicate to you today is that we serve a G Jesus who is a conquering king. He's a conquering king. He's a king that comes to conquer, and he has come to conquer the human experience. The story of salvation is about conquering. It's about redeeming not only the lives of humanity, of those who have fallen, 
but it's about conquering the grip and the power that the enemy had in the earth. It's about restaking the universe. It's about reclaiming territory. It's about reestablishing a kingdom. That's why I'm so glad that we are in a kingdom and not in a democracy. Jesus doesn't need to be voted for. Jesus can't be voted for and he can't be voted out. And he has authority over anyone who's elected. Somebody ought to say amen about that. So depending on our weaknesses, I want to come from this angle because Jesus came to conquer the human experience. And in order to do that, he had to receive the weaknesses of the human experience. Jesus didn't take an advantage as a human. He didn't come with the special advantages. He took our weakness. He took and embraced the weakness of humanity and decides, I'm going to conquer the human experience with all of the weaknesses that they have. Jesus embraced and chose the weaknesses of the fallen world as his fuel and has his energy to conquer the human experience, to bring life where there was death, to bring redemption where one was lost. This is the Jesus that we serve. And I know this is difficult to understand because I think as believers and especially in our church, we have a hard time understanding the difference between weakness and sickness. Because sickness and weakness are two different things. Can I try to break it down? See, sickness in a really basic description would be a lack of health, right? Something has, is causing a sickness and there needs to be health restored there. But weakness is a lack of strength. It means that something needs to be stronger that once was stronger. Something needs to be bolstered up and something power needs to come to it. Weakness and sickness is two different things. See, this culture teaches us the opposite. It teaches us to avoid our weakness and be comfortable with our sickness. Apologizing? Oh, that's weak. Standing up for right? That's weakness. I need help? That's weakness. Sickness? We can cover up. Sickness, we can be comfortable with. We can treat your sickness. You can be sick and be in leadership, but you can't be weak. See, the things that the world calls weak is different than what we call weak. And the things that the world calls sick is different than what we call sick. Because a lot of times we are uncomfortable with being weak. We are more comfortable with being sick. If we're sick enough and we can manage it, then we're good. If we can come to church with our sickness, as long as nobody finds out, as long as it doesn't affect anybody else, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, we're good. We'll stay with the same sickness for generations. But we refuse at times to be weak because weakness 
it's difficult for us. It's difficult for us to say, I need help in my marriage. I'm not managing my money. I don't have enough faith to make it through next week. I'm weak. I'm not strong. I'm not strong enough to do this. And so we'll avoid what requires and exposes things that we're weak at. We don't want to be found out. We'd rather just stay here and stay away from it until we realize that we're actually weak. But here's what, here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus decided to save you and offer salvation depending on your weakness. Because we're all not the same. We're all, we're all different. You're strong in some things I'm weak in. I'm strong in some things you're weak in. And that's why we have a body. That's why we have a church to support one another. But Jesus' power is made available for, th- for you in your weakness. And if you do not acknowledge your weakness, if you run from your weakness, if you do not say, I am weak in this, you are limiting the power that God wants to bring to you. And so if you go by the way the world teaches us, you will be sick and you will be weak. But you can be sick and be strong. I've seen someone with cancer just killing their body. It hurt me so bad. I loved him so much. But I will tell you, he stood in this very church and preached probably from this very spot. And those who met him and saw him saw that he was one of the most strongest spiritual people I've ever met in his sickness. But he wasn't weak. See, I want to show you this passage because I want to show you a few scriptures. I I didn't try to get there. Go go back to uh, verse 15 in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. It said, this high priest of ours understands our weakness. I want you to see that he understands it. He knows it from experience. He's not knowing it from something he read on Wikipedia. He knows from experience our weaknesses. We serve a high priest, someone who advocates for us, who's not advocating for us without knowledge of our experience. He doesn't make executive decisions at the cost of those who will be suffering. You want me to preach it like I feel it? No, he understands what it means to be check to check. He understands what it means to be in pain. He understands what it means to be alone. And so we can come to him based on someone who has a reference point that can associate with us. He understands it even greater than we do. I want, you, I want to take you to uh, Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9, and there's two verses there I want to show you. Matthew chapter 9, two verses there. This is, describes Jesus' ministry. Really, it's a summary of his ministry, what he thought was so important to him. The Bible says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about God, about the kingdom. And he healed every disease and illness. What is that? Is that sickness or weakness? Okay, don't it? That, that's sickness. You're right. Let's keep going. And so it says here in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. He identifies their weakness. He had compassion because he understood they are like sheep without a shepherd. They're confused. They're wandering. They're helpless. They don't know what's happening to them. And it's interesting because Jesus would always bring healing and then he would teach. He would, he would remove the sickness, but then he would begin to teach because he understood the difference between sickness and weakness. And sometimes people won't hear if they're sick, but he removes the sickness. But he says, oh, no, I need to teach you something different because it's the way you think. It's your mindset that needs to be informed so that you can understand where you're weak. Now, I want to show you this because this is amazing to me. And it's interesting as we, this is in Isaiah 53, as, as we think about Jesus who is ministering to people and healing them and, and, and touching their infirmities. This particular passage of scripture in the Old Testament, it, it speaks of Jesus. It, it talks about the Messiah and, un, and gives us a picture of him. But this is what really, really changed my perspective of Jesus. Beginning at verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message? Who has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, that's Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a, dry, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing attracted us to him. Other words, Jesus was not good looking. It was not going to be his powerful looks and height and strong voice that was going to attract people to him. Jesus did not have anything physically to attract people to him. Verse 3 said he was despised. He was rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, and it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, you see those sheep in Matthew? All of us, like sheep, have strayed away, confused, without a shepherd. We've wandered away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Go back to verse 3. I want you to see this. Jesus' life was filled with sorrow. The Bible describes him as a acquainted with grief. The Bible describes him as a best friend to grief. I want you to understand something. That even in his life, we're not just talking about what happened on the cross. I'm talking about a life lived 
with the world's weaknesses on him. He was rejected of men. This is not just talking about on the cross. This is talking about the life of Jesus. Jesus lived a life filled with sorrow, filled with rejection, filled with being ignored. When he came as the king, as a child, the world didn't even know that he came. And when he came into the earth and he walked around and healed, there were people, even his own disciples, who didn't even recognize that that was the son of God. He was despised. He was rejected. He lived his life full of sorrow. And yet in his ministry, he poured out strength. I want you to see that. What is happening with Jesus? Jesus is living a life full of weakness, sorrow, pain, but yet he's giving and he's pouring and he's delivering and he's healing and he's going back to loneliness. Ooh, this may not make sense to you. I, I want to I read another scripture to you. Psalms 103 uh, verses 8 through 14. I want you to get, I want you to think differently about this because Jesus chose to save us in our weakness. He embraced the weakness of humanity. He says, I'm going to save them, and I'm going to depend on your weakness. I'm going to depend on my Father. Think about it like this. It's interesting how the Bible just um, tells us that Jesus prayed. Have you ever thought about that? Like, my wife and I are really close. We're, we're best friends. That's really, literally my best friend. It would be interesting to think about how close Jesus was to his father, but yet he prayed. Because he was in this earth under the same weaknesses that we have. He didn't have a special defense. He took the initiative. In fact, he was so oppressed, he was so uh, weak that he needed to depend on his father even more. It takes faith to go down into the grave to die for the one who created life. I'm sorry, it takes faith to literally have the whole sins of the world on you. And to go down into the grave, not tasting sin ever in your life, but to have the faith to believe that God was going to do what he promised and bring you back up from the grave. That takes faith. what I go? Psalms 103. So Jesus depended on his father. He depended on him from a place of weakness. He didn't come with a special advantage. He embraced our weakness and says, I'm going to live in this weakness. Psalms 103, 8 through 14 says this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the heights of heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from the e as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are and remembers we are only dust. 
Did you see that? That God's compassion was a decision that he made. Knowing how weak we were, he knew we weren't strong enough to save ourselves. He knew there was no strength in ourselves, and yet he still pursued us. He still offered grace to us. He still offered all of heaven to us, knowing that we will reject him. And the Bible says we all reject him. We turned away. We said, we don't want that. We don't want this. We don't want that. But God's grace still pursued us. I want to leave you with these three things. I want you to understand this. I want you to see this. Here's the first thing. I want you to try to remember. Write this down if you need to. That Jesus shows weakness. You need to understand that. Jesus shows weakness. He operated in weakness. He worked it out in weakness. He says, I'm going to do this their way. I'm going to embrace all of the weaknesses that they have, and I'm going to do it this way. Jesus chose weakness. Can I just encourage you that some things in your life would be a lot better if you chose weakness. If you acknowledged that you're not strong there. If you acknowledge you're not good at this, this is not something you can do in your own strength. Jesus chose to be weak. Husband, there are times when we need to choose to be weak. Choose to embrace the fact that I don't know how to do it. See, when we're kids, we get, you know, we get hurt. They say, boys don't cry, right? Stop crying. I mean, our leg is going the opposite direction, and our nose is going this way. And we're like, mama, we, we, and they're like, boy, stop crying. And then we get married. And they're talking to their girlfriend. I just don't know why he won't open up to me. Because he's weak. Here's the thing. Weakness is not sickness. See, some of us in the room, you're still sick. Still sick. Jesus is like, I can deal with the sickness. But there's some weakness too. We're still stuck on weak, sick. But when we choose weakness, see, when you choose to say, I am going to acknowledge I'm not good at this. I can't handle that. There's something powerful that happens. Here's the second one. Jesus knows. Like he's familiar with it. Like the scripture said, he's acquainted with grief. Like his five favorites are grief, sorrow, depression, pain, neglect. Just think about it. Like Jesus is walking around the earth and he, he shows up. It's interesting when you read scripture, like Jesus didn't even say anything. Sometimes he just walk into town and demons start acting up. Like demons are like, oh, there's Jesus. Like Jesus, what's up? How you guys doing? Hey, man, listen, um. We still got that date on the cross, right? We're going to meet you about three years. Hey, listen, I, if you don't do me a favor, I, I don't really need you to hang around these people. I'll tell you what, why don't you wait three years, we'll have a little reunion, and you guys can, you guys can hang with me for a while. Now, I'm being, I'm being funny about it, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to not, well, y'all didn't laugh, but that's okay. I, <laughs> I want you to understand that, that Jesus is familiar with it. Listen, he recognizes weakness. Can you be honest? Can you be honest for a quick minute? 
some things you got caught off guard because you didn't recognize the weakness. You thought it was going to be fine. It was a red flag. The flag was like, here I am. Not going to work the rest of my life. It's right here. I don't see that. I just, I just don't see that in him. Jesus recognizes it. You see, that's what we're trying to build here as a church is that when we, when somebody walks in the door, see your weakness, you can recognize it in somebody else. You say, oh, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what that is, and I know exactly what to pray for. I know exactly. You come sit right by me because I know that look. I know that look. You, you sit right next to me. No, I'm going to invite you because you know what? I know what you're going through. And you're weak. See, when you know weakness, you can look, you can see it. All of us can see it. We can see it in people. So you know what? You're, you're, you're pretending too hard. You're not fooling anybody. You're not, you're not, don't front for me. Just be honest. It's weak. It's a weak area. Listen, that's weakness. This is sickness. Don't let go. Let's focus on this. Let go of this. Let's focus on getting you stronger. Here's the last one. Jesus exposed. He had influence over weakness. He walked in and said, all right, y'all going to need to leave. Can't stay here. Like, all right, Jesus, whatever you say, we out of here. Weakness is leaving the house. Jesus shows up. You're like, Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm going to get baptized. And, he's, and Jesus says, great. And he shows up to your house. He says, all right. Oh, depression. I didn't know you were sitting there in the corner. What you mean? This, this depression is right there in the corner. I didn't even see him. Well, addiction, what are you doing in here? Brokenness, I, what's up, man? Look, you guys, there's too many people in here. Listen, I need y'all to leave. You follow my work picture? You say, Jesus, come in my life. And Jesus is like, I, I need y'all all to leave, okay? We got some things to work on. So all your sickness needs to leave. And then there's a memory walking out the door. You're like, wait, can he stay? You're not going to ask my preferences to leave too, are you? Now, come on. Now, my, my lifestyle, look, we've, we've been working on this. We've been in a relationship for a long time. You can't ask my lifestyle to leave. Look, look, look. Me and bank account, we got a special rep relationship here. You, you can't be asking me to change how I spend my money, right? It's just like, fine. You want, you want them to stay? Go ahead and stay. I'm going to sit right here until you're ready. And we're like, God, help me. Jesus, please do something. He's like, um. We serve a faithful God. We serve a God who cares about us. He exposes our weaknesses. That's why some of you, that's why some of you, people in your job don't like you. They don't like you. People in your house don't like you. You know why? Because you're exposing them. What you mean you're not going to step over people on the corporate ladder? What you mean you ain't going to put this chicken in your backpack and steal it? No. Man, you making us look bad. Oh, you a goody two-shoes, huh? See, sometimes your righteousness and the fact that you're aware of your weaknesses 
it exposes people who are weak and who are sick, and they don't like it. See, Jesus exposes our weakness. You spend some intimate moments with Jesus every morning, guess what Jesus is going to do? He's going to expose your weaknesses. But here's some good news. I'm going to give you some good news. Here's the last text. Here's the last text. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, verses um, 8 through 10. I guess I'll just read it off the screen. There was a man named Paul. And Paul was a church planter. He was kind of like us. He was planting in churches all over the place. He had a past, and his past included that he pretty much wasn't on Team Jesus for the most part of his life. In fact, he was a person who actually persecuted the church. He's a person who actually went against um, what God was trying to do. And so he had this experience. In fact, he was an accessory to murder several times. The church was afraid of Paul. And Paul was a, he was a terrorist is what he was. And Jesus the whole time was looking at this terrorist running around. He was just completely, he was a leader. He was strong. He was forceful. And Jesus was like, that's my man. Now, look, the church is looking at him like, man, I'm scared of this guy. They're praying, Lord, kill, kill Paul, please. Kill that guy. Take him out. And Jesus is like, oh, that's my man right there. Oh, that's my dude. I can't, yeah. So Jesus, Jesus shows up. The Bible says Paul's getting ready to do some, do some damage. And Jesus shows up on his horse as the conquering king. Y'all not watching? Y'all not Y'all not helping me preach today. Jesus shows up. Let me give you, a, let me give you another euphemism, some street language. She's like, gang recognized gang. Gangster recognized gangster. Jesus shows up. What's up, Paul? I heard you was looking for your boy. You got to read that translation. Paul's like, Jesus like, why are you persecuting me? Oh, you want to persecute me? Oh, you got beef with me, Paul? <laughs> That's the amplified version. <laughs> Paul's like, oh, snap. Right? That's a paraphrase. <laughs> Jesus is like, boop. I don't know if he touched him or blew on him. And Paul, Paul fell off his horse, right? And, and he's blind. And in that moment, He's telling Paul, you're the one I chose. Let me introduce you to my friend Weakness. His name is Mr. Blind. I want you to hang with Mr. Blind for a couple of years, for a couple of days, really. And so Paul has this experience with Jesus. He changes his life, and he's doing great. But there's something bothering him. And this gem in Scripture, there's, this, there's something bothering Paul, we never really know what it is, but here's Paul's confession. He says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Three different times. I said, God, take this away from me. Take this weakness away from me. Because I prayed, look, things would be so much better if I wasn't weak at this. The church would grow so much faster if I was stronger at this. But the things would be so much better if I just, if you could just teach me how to do this real quick. And, and, the, and God didn't remove it. And Paul says each time he said, 
My grace is all you need. He says, my power works best in weakness. Y'all not feeling what I'm saying. He said, my power works great when I've got a weak environment. My power works great when you recognize that you can't do this on your own. And so Paul's got a new understanding. Paul flips it. He says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. He says, so that the power of Christ can flow through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecution and in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, depending on my weakness, the flow of God will come to me. Back to verse 11. Where are you, Rose? Is it verse before that? Verse 9. It says, my power works best in weakness. See, if you, if you recognize your weakness, you're eligible for more power. Recognize, I don't have this together. He says, that's when I'm going to be strong. See, God is going to bless this church from where we're weak at. Not where we're sitting. God needs to remove the sickness so he can bless the weakness. He says, I'm not taking that from you. You arguing for God, God says, I'm not taking that from you. You need that to depend on me. If I take that from you, I'll never see you again. No, I'm leaving you there. And you're like, God, you don't understand. I can't do this. And God says, that's exactly why I left it, so that you could learn how to be strong in me. And what we need in this church is a few people that are willing to boast about their weaknesses, a few people that are willing to say, I don't have it figured out. I'm just weak, but I'm depending on God. So you're depending take some extra time. We're starting to and I'm going to wrap this up. I don't need musicians. I don't need any of that for you to respond to what the Spirit is saying to you. See, it's not, see, that's what I love about what we're trying to do. We're trying to, when you see these things, you see lights and you see stage and you see all that, all that really is is to remove distractions so that you can hear the voice of the Spirit. I know that I can't preach you into heaven. I'm going to try but I know that I can't preach you into heaven. But the Spirit has spoken to some of you very, very clearly. And what he wants you to do is to respond. He's saying, how long are you going to be sick? The sickness is not my will. I don't desire anyone to be sick, but I'll work with the weakness. And, I, and the problem is, you don't know the difference. And so let me help you. Let me come alongside of you. Let me allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to tell you the difference so that you know, God, I need this to leave. And that's okay. You can invite this to stay. You know what's crazy? Sometimes he uses an illness to show you that you're weak. So I want to pray for someone today. It's not a fancy. It's not, it's not super, you know, 
something that looked great on the on YouTube or on our social media. It's a very simple thing. I just want to ask you to the heart of the people. For those who are saying, I want God to deal with my sickness. I want to be free from it. I don't care how difficult it's going to be. I don't care, care how it's going to make me feel. I want to get rid of it so that I can embrace your power. So what I'm asking for you today is to make a decision, whatever decision, I'm not, I want to prescript it for you, but whatever decision the Lord has given you, for some of you, you need to join this church. For some of you, you need to be baptized. For some of you, you need to come more faithfully. For some of you, God has given you the remedy, and you're making a lot of excuses about it, but God is saying, no, I need to work with that weakness. The, the, the fact is you're unprepared. The fact is you're not committed. The fact is you have issues, and I want to get to that, and I want to work through that. And so for some of you, you just need strength today. Because remember, weakness is just a lack of strength. And I want to pray strength in you today. And so for some of you, I'm just inviting you to stand to your feet as an acknowledgement. Everybody's eyes are open. And you're saying, God, I need strength in this moment. God, I'm weak in this area. I need you. I'm inviting your strength into my life. I know that I'm sick. I know that I'm broken. But I'm inviting the weak you to come and build up what is weak in me. I'm praying a prayer today that you'll leave today acknowledging that you're weak and embracing the power that is being offered to you. Father God, we're standing. We're standing in silence. We're listening to our heartbeat. We're acknowledging the fact that there's some things that you're leaving in our lives for you to show us your power. I pray today for strength to flow. I pray for day, today for forgiveness for someone who needs to forgive someone, for someone who needs to have a hard conversation, for someone who needs to simply tell someone else, I love you. For someone to have the strength to move on, to leave the relationship. For someone who needs the strength to quit the job. For someone who needs the strength to quit drinking and smoking. For someone who needs the strength just to flow from where they're weak. And Lord, it is not in our strength, but it's in your strength. We acknowledge our weakness by standing today. We acknowledge the fact that we need you more and more. And I pray today, even now as the first part of moving, that you would bring strength today. That they'll be able to release the tears. That they'll be able to have tears of sorrow and tears of joy. Knowing that we serve you and you are acquainted with our struggle. You understand what it feels like. You are not leaving us alone. And Father, today I pray that we will be strong, that as we move into next week, that we will just simply be a people who knows how to get help, who wants others to get help. And as we leave this week, we're going to invite everybody that we know. We're going to tell everybody that we know. We're going to live like we have been with Jesus, the suffering Savior who knows our pain and our issue. And I pray that as you promised, your grace is all we need. And that you will pour out your grace depending on our weakness. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. And we pray, amen. If you feel some strength coming back to you as you give him a praise. If you feel the Lord bringing something to you, give him praise. Amen.